Welcome to All Sides with Ann Fisher. Some 1,000 youth each year transition from the foster care system in Ohio. But like most 18-year-olds, most are ill-equipped to take on adulthood. They struggle with education, finding jobs, and the safety and security of a stable home that most take for granted. We're talking about the challenges of transitioning out of foster care in Ohio. Housing is a chronic problem. Columbus-based nonprofit finance fund has stepped up with plans to make over two Columbus motels into apartments for youth who have aged out of the foster system. Jeff Mormon is vice president of real estate development for finance fund. He joins us now. Welcome, Jeff Mormon. Hi, Ann. Uh, Finance Fund, this is a a new project, new kind of project for Finance Fund as well. Um, What is is Finance Fund? Sure. So Finance Fund is a 30-year-old nonprofit, uh, mostly has been a financial intermediary. Uh, so we we uh, compile public and private dollars and, and lend them out and, and grant them out into low income communities for community facilities, housing, uh, health care. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, we've realized that uh, one of the big needs is for us to, to take a role in uh, actual development. So this is this is a new project for us. This is a new step forward for us. Why did you start with uh, youth aging out of foster care? So that's not actually how we started. Okay. Uh, so we started with Franklinton. Uh, so I, I'm a Franklinton resident, have been part of the Franklinton Development Association and uh, sat on most boards of uh, in Franklinton, including the Area Commission, which is how I met Carol Stewart. And uh, uh, Finance Fund has put about $15 million in Franklinton over the last decade through new market tax credits, grants, and loans. So we were familiar with what was happening in that community. And we decided to take a very community-based approach. And very quickly, when I started uh, last July, uh, these hotels were listed for sale. And I knew they had been a problem for a long time. And so we decided we would step out as a as a project, as one of our projects in Franklinton, and say, we're going to make sure that these are no longer a problem. So uh, we decided to acquire them without really a full plan in place. So it was a, it was a leap of faith on day one from uh-huh. a new employer, right? So, you know, we went from there and said, okay, what are we going to do with this? And as we began to, to talk uh, to people in the community that knew about some of the needs, specifically around 18 to 24-year-olds, we said, well, this is perfect. We have a campus environment. We have uh, a project that, you know, for an acquisition price of less than $2 million and a renovation price of approximately $2 million, we can create 100 units of affordable housing uh, in an area that has been uh, deemed a blight. And, and with a lot of service providers and a lot of wraparound support, we can make a successful project out of it. This, uh, so Finance Fund is going to own the property? Yes. So the the structure of the ownership is still a little bit in play, but uh, for practical purposes, we'll, we'll be the owner. And you'll have others run the apartments That's and right. manage them. That's right. So one of our main partners is Star House, and you know, they're the only 24-7 drop-in uh, youth service in Central Ohio, and actually, from what I understand, all of Ohio. Uh, and you know they are a phenomenal organization that understand the youth and are able to connect with them. So they've been a, a partner on, on many levels, but uh, if... Uh, one of the main ways is just kind of educating us on on what we need and, and how to connect and, you know, some design characteristics of the units themselves. Um, and they're going to help us in other ways as well. But it's a larger consortium than that. So, What persuaded you that this demographic was in need of housing? What, what did you learn? Well, you know, there are 18,000 kids in the foster system right now. And uh, that increase has been around 3,500 over the past few years, a lot because of the opioid crisis, and 1,000 transition out every year. Um, beyond that, 
you know, even outside of the foster system, there are youth that are are, are housing unstable, you know, or actually homeless. Um, I think it's 46% of community college uh, students in in Columbus right now are housing insecure. So, you know, the, the the demographics, the data says we need to do something. We need to do it now. So uh, innovative approaches are needed. You're listening to All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. We're talking about the challenges today for youth who age out of the foster system. That means they never get adopted. And when they turn 18, they're too old to be foster children anymore. But they're probably too young to be full-fledged adults Two. Uh, Finance Fund has purchased two aging motels in Franklinton with plans to convert them into apartments for, for up to 100 apartments. Uh, we're talking right now with Jeff Mormon. He's vice president of real estate development for Finance Fund. If you have a question about aging out in the, of the foster system, give us a call 614-292-8513 or email us at allsides at org. Did you talk to foster children or pe- people who have aged out of the foster system to see what they want? We have and we're or continuing what they could use, to. Yeah, absolutely. What they yeah, want, no, that's right. You know? yeah, I mean, they've been at the table all along uh, through representatives, through Starhouse and others. There's there's uh, youth councils that are uh, been a part of this from really day one when we started. Um, you know, and beyond that, I, I want to say the city of Columbus and, and Mayor Ginther putting $1.6 million to this project was uh, was pretty unbelievable. Um, they recognized that at the same time we could remove blight and provide 100 units of affordable housing in you know around an 18-month process. That, that was a pretty big victory. So you know, now the tough work begins of actually getting these things uh, renovated and, and placed in service. What's it going to look like? Well, you know, right now they look like uh, the 1970s motels. Right. And we need to fix that. So, you know, we're looking at putting uh, new uh, siding, being very colorful, having kind of wayfinding uh, techniques so that people, when they get back onto this campus, will understand where they want to go, where they need to be. Um, we're going to have front porches because Franklinton, you know, that's a design characteristic of our neighborhood. So we want to we want to incorporate that into this design. And at that point, they'll begin to look a lot more like apartments. And they will be single uh, single room apartments. So there will be a bathroom and a kitchen. One person occupancy. One person occupancy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and that is a standard uh, set by HUD. So, uh, you know, we are hoping to have some uh, housing vouchers and other financial supports on this project. So we're designing that with that in mind. And um, what are you asking of uh, the the, uh, the people who will live there? So this is a community first and housing first model. So we understand that housing is a barrier to everything else. So we want to get the residents and the youth into into the buildings first, right? And at that point, offer wraparound services that, you know, we believe that no one will want to refuse. I mean, you know, the idea is if you provide job training, if you provide education, including not just a GED, but actually an alternative education to get a diploma, um, transportation to, to jobs, an actual living wage employment, you know, pe- people are going to want to do that. You know, we're, we're want to provide, uh, we want to provide uh, an opportunity for uh, youth to hope. And, you know, this is a way to make that happen. Um, on the inside, they're going to be efficiency units. They are. A bathroom, a kitchen, yes. uh, and a living area. Right. But it's also a bedroom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with that design, I mean, we're, you know, we're less than 300 square feet per unit. Uh that's energy efficient too, right? So we're talking about a small footprint per individual. And you know, so when we're talking about, you know, we got to keep the cost low because we want to keep the rents low. We want to we want to be good stewards of the public and private dollars that are a part of this project. So we want to do everything we can to make sure that uh, we 
we design, we have, and uh, um, you know, the roofs are insulated, that we have LED lights, that you know, all of these things are in place. And, and we're also looking at providing cable and internet to the units as well. So because, you know, how do you get a job? How do you apply for school without that anymore? It'll all be included That's right. in one price. Furnished? Yeah, so we are we are working right now to figure out how to to get them furnished. We have a budget for it, and uh, and there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's you know as we've been discussing this really over just the last month as it's become more public, uh, we've gotten a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails saying we want to be a part of this from from banks to nonprofits to other philanthropic organizations. Uh, everyone wants to be in on this. Do you know if anything else is happening like this anywhere else in the country? You know, there's there are other projects, certainly. Um, Huck House is actually building one in, in Franklin County in, in Columbus. Uh, and, Huckleberry and that's a, House, yeah. Huckleberry House, right. Uh, and that's a low-income housing tax credit project. Uh, and, and there's uh, other projects out there. You know, this is a little different model in that we're – we're not using all of those different sources of typical financing. You know, what, those are great and they're needed and it, it can be a real uh, benefit and blessing to the residents that get in there. But we want to see if we can do a little bit more with uh, maybe a little less dollars. So this is, a, this is unique in terms of the financial structure. And honestly, I don't know that outside of finance fund and our ability to have, you know, we, we've got capital. I mean, that's what we do. We're, you know, we're a nonprofit bank in a way. You know, I, I don't know that we could make this happen. What kind of rules are you thinking about for the for the youth? Yeah, you know it's low barrier. So you know we we want to be as as flexible with youth as we can. So we, yes, we want to have good neighbor agreements. We want to you know be good stewards of our community. I'm a, a resident there. My my kid goes to school less than 200 yards from there. So it's not you know that's certainly a part of the mindset. Uh, but with that in mind, you know. Uh, people, anyone coming out of housing instability uh, is going to have uh, some levels of of barriers potentially to just you know feeling like normal again you yeah. know if, if if you're living with so much stress of where's my next uh, where, where am I going to sleep that night where's my next meal going to come from you know thinking about the trauma that may have been in their lives you know the fact that they were in the foster system at all. I mean, you know, there's a lot of challenges there. And so we want to be mindful of that. And the service providers that we're working with absolutely understand that. And they they have trained uh, service providers that know how to, to deal with that population. And you know, we want to meet people where they are. We want to accept them as they are and and set the table for them to, to to hopefully change the the cycle that their life has been on. A lot of um, youth that age out of the foster system. I, I don't think it's a majority, but a lot. They also uh, have um, work interacted with the juvenile justice system as well. That's right. Are there any barriers along uh, when it comes to criminal records or anything like that? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're working with uh, employers that understand that and they understand that there are challenges there. So, you know, whether or not that's uh, Columbus Works, that's going to do some pre-employment training and, and screening and help them understand what it means to go to a job every day uh, to employers that are, are going to understand that that's going to be a challenge. You know, so, you know, we're hoping to have a consortium of of actual employers, not just you know, not just a resume writer, but mm-hmm. someone that can go way beyond that and you know provide a paycheck to these youth. You know that this is going to be a challenge for some of them, and it's going to be it's it's novel. You know, like going getting up and going to work every day, even when you don't feel like it. You know, that's 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 difficult. You know, mm-hmm. and we're talking about a population that you know, for most uh, privileged people, you know, they're going to school, they're going to, to going to college, and you know. 
I don't think everyone went to, uh, to class every day. So, we, you know, we have to be very mindful of that and understand that, you know, these are adults, but they're, they're transitioning from, you know, from being kids into, into adulthood. So uh, we want to be gracious, and, and I think the employers and the job trainers that we're working with understand that. Are college-bound youth going to be welcome in this place? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, it is we are trying to set the table and be welcoming. So, and to that end, you know, because of the way the the money, uh, the public and private dollars have come in, we're we have to be pretty flexible, and we get to be pretty flexible, and that's exciting. You know, where it's not as uh, parochial maybe as some other projects are. So, you know, we're looking at this as a campus. We're looking at providing. RAs on the campus and working with some other nonprofit organizations that have em, uh, employees that one of their biggest struggles is finding stable housing. So they have the job, but now they're trying to find the housing. They've, they've got other supports around them. And, and uh, some of those organizations, the employees have, have been through the ringer. They've seen some things. So they'll be able to connect with the youth on a way that, you know, maybe some of us, you know, more privileged adults haven't been able to. It's named for Carol Stewart. Tell us about that. Yeah. So Carol Stewart is a, uh, was a wonderful woman. She was uh, one of my mentors when I first moved to Franklinton. She, uh, was a Franklinton resident, uh, a, a wonderful mother, uh, has a great family, um, and was really just someone that uh, believed strongly in civic duty. And uh, so, sh- from you know helping to to start the area commission, being on the Franklinton Development Board, on the Gladden Board, uh, helping to save Central High School and help bring Coastside down there. Uh, I mean, that that's all Carol Stewart. I, I remember uh, going to her house one day, you know, and I I'd known about her, I'd heard about her, and. Uh, she lived on one of the the more impoverished streets in in West Franklin, and in, in, you know what was just Franklinton then. And um, thinking that man, this this woman who you know didn't have a college degree was able to do so much with her life. And you know because of because of her, uh, I think my family is down there. I mean, so you know I, I think there's a direct correlation there. And because of her, our fam- my family has been able to stay. So uh, we wanted to find and have been working for a long time. Um, to find a project worthy of her name. And uh, so we reached out to her family once this uh, began to become real and said, you know, we'd really like to honor Carol in this way. And um, they were gracious and supportive and, and continue to be and provide us guidance. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I, I couldn't think, and, and nor could they think of a better project to name after her. Franklinton's like going to be the new cool place. Yeah. Uh, we all know that. Sure. Is it going to still be, 15, 20 years from now, affordable to have a place like this, to have these kinds of facilities there? Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. Uh, trying to see what the affordability of a neighborhood is going to be like uh, 10, 20 years, five years from now even, is, is really a challenge. But the likelihood is that it's going to be less affordable than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, for good and bad reasons, right? I mean, we, we uh, you know, we gentrification gets a bad rap and, and for reasons that absolutely make sense, it creates displacement and other things. But, you know, until you live in a neighborhood that is real low income, it is, it is, it's easy to say that, but you want your neighbors to have better. You know, we, we want trash picked up. We want graffiti off the walls. We want, we want good education and good health care and good transportation and all these other things that come with uh, increased investment in neighborhoods. So, yeah, the flip side of that, though, is that many of those residents end up getting kicked out. So we have to be very mindful. And, and a project like this is that. So, I mean, these will continue to be affordable. And Finance Fund, as a nonprofit, is able to commit to that. So, you know, that's, this is the type of housing. That's what we need. 
Well, uh, Jeff Mormon, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Nice to be here. Thank you, Dan. Jeff Mormon is vice president of real estate development for Finance Fund. That's a nonprofit. It's pur- purchased two aging motels in Franklinton. They're going to convert them into 100 efficiency unit apartments for youth aging out of the foster care system. Moving on, we're going to continue to talk about the challenges for youth in that situation, uh, what's happening around the country, and more about what's happening in central Ohio to help them make a life as adults. So if you have a question or comment, give us a call, 614-292-8513, or email us at allsides at org. You're listening to All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Ann Fisher. We're talking about the challenges for youth who age out of the foster care system in Ohio, the Columbus-based nonprofit Finance Fund has purchased two aging motels in Franklinton with plans to convert them into apartments for 18 to 24-year-old former foster children. That's one of many strategies being employed across the country to address these issues. Children's Rights is a leading national nonprofit children's advocacy organization based in New York City. It's led numerous legal reform campaigns to improve the lives of vulnerable children, including those who age out of foster care. Alyssa glucksman Hine is Senior Policy Analyst at Children's Rights. She joins us by phone. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Is this in Ohio? It's about a thousand kids per year age out of the system um, out of about 15 to 17,000 in the system. Is that kind of typical that there's there's always going to be this group that age out? They don't get adopted. They don't get reunited with their families. Yeah. So right now it's uh, unfortunately, somewhat somewhat normal or typical. Um, in 2016, more than 17,000 youth uh, aged out of foster care, and so it's it's an uh, alarmingly large number and percentage of children that don't find permanent homes um, by the time they reach the age of 18 to 21 years old. And what are the challenges in finding them a home? Then it's just they don't have a home, they don't have a decent job. It's kind of a ripple effect. Well, so I think that there that there's a difference between finding them a home mm-hmm. and finding them just housing. Gotcha. Um, and so for children in foster care, the it should be temporary. These children should enter into the system and either go back to their families that they came from or, or find permanent homes that can take them in. Um, and so there's lots of reasons why a child may not be able to find a home by the time they, it, they reach the age of 18, 19, 20, or 21. Um, but that shouldn't be the case. Every child should be able to find a home by the time they leave the foster care system. This uh, project we're talking about in a neighborhood of Columbus, um, two aging motels are going to uh, convert them into 100 uh, efficiency unit apartments. But most importantly, I guess, there are all these wraparound services that you're kind of alluding to that they need more than just a place to put their boots. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, all sorts of Social science studies and neuroscience studies have found that that 
this age, 18 to 21, or really 18 to 25 years old, it's emerging adulthood. These children, these young people aren't adults yet. Um, they're, you know, neuroscience speak, their frontal lobes are still growing. It's really a time of incredible amounts of growth and change for these young people. And so they need more than just a house. They need that support system. And that's the case for children who aren't aging out of the foster mm -hmm. care system, who are just turning 18, 19, 20 years old. They need that support of adults in their community around them. And so having those wraparound services are vitally important. What kind of wraparound services are we talking about? Um, uh, my earlier guest mentioned, you know, education, but, but what are they, what are we really talking about here? I mean, it, it's, it's really things across the board. It could be something as simple as helping these young people learn how to balance a checkbook, making sure that they know where their birth certificates are, making sure that they can get a driver's license, so things as simple as that, to really providing support when they're making big life decisions, having those people, those adults around them that they can go to when they're trying to make these large life decisions that a lot of children who age out of foster care just don't have, or having someone they can go to when things aren't going well and that may end up, you know, where they end up being homeless or where they end up getting involved in the criminal justice system, but for having this uh, support system of, of adults that they can rely on, that they could go to in times of crisis. Sounds like a lot of mentoring. It's absolutely. It's a lot of mentoring, and, and that doesn't just come from someone just showing up one day. It needs to be a long process of having youth be able to trust and support uh, the adults around them, because a lot of youth who age out of foster care simply don't have that support system and don't trust the adults that are around them. You're listening to All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. We're talking about the challenges for uh, youth who age out of the foster system in in Ohio alone, about a thousand age out, uh, without a permanent place to live, without uh, structure in their lives that many of us take for granted. Uh, my guest right now is Alyssa glucksman Hine. She's a senior policy analyst at Children's Rights. Uh, it is a leading national nonprofit children's advocacy organization based in New York City. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 614 292 8513, or email us at allsides at WOSU.org. And Sarah in Marysville, you're on the air. Hi, Sarah. Hi there. Um, I have a concern about those um, who are aging out in the middle of the school year, but they're very high-functioning, and they want to be an engineer, or they want to be a doctor, or they want to be, um, and, you know, if they end up having to change schools in the middle of the year, and then they don't have the support of the counselors to help them apply for college, and, oh, God, that just seems so disruptive. How do you help these kids? How do you, all right, so Alyssa Glucksman-Hein, I mean, how do you help the ones that could really, you know, unlike me, <laughs> could really do something with their lives, you know, that could be high achieving? Is there a path for them? Absolutely. I mean, for, so one thing that recent federal legislation is really focused on is ensuring that children don't have to move schools whenever they move placements, both in foster care and when they're leaving foster care. And so we call that educational stability because studies have shown that every time a child switches schools, they fall back four to six months every time. And so even those children who really want to do well in school and, and are high achieving, it's hard to keep up. And so making sure that children remain in their schools, and that could mean that setting up uh, 
a bus that will come and take them or making sure that there's someone who will drive them to the school is incredibly important. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of services out there for children who are 18 to 21-year-olds in foster care um, that they can receive stipends or support to go to college, but they first have to get through high school. And ensuring that educational stability is just as important as ensuring that there's funding for them to go to college afterwards. Sarah, thanks for that call. Um, When did we, Alyssa Glucksman-Hein, when did uh, our society start to wake up to the struggles for youth aging out of the foster system? When when did it become a thing? I mean... (laughs) I would like to say that it became a thing um, far earlier than it did, but really it wasn't until the 90s that we really started focusing and, re- and, and realizing that children who were aging out of foster care had, had really terrible resu- results that they were coming up to. And so um, the, the first huge piece of legislation was in 1999, and it, it was called the John H. Chafee Foster Care Independence Program. And that's what really started allowing states to keep children in foster care if they if they wanted to, if the children wanted to, up until age 21. Um, and before that, it was really once a child turned 18, they were considered to be an adult and were considered to be able to handle their life um, just like any adult would, which is incredibly difficult. So I would love to say that it's been decades and decades, but it really wasn't until 1999 that we started focusing on this population. And what happened then that woke us up? There's been a lot of studies, um, or I shouldn't say a lot of studies, but there's been some really intensive studies. One was actually focusing on um, children in the Midwest and followed them longitudinally um, from the time they exited foster care to age 26 and saw the incredible barriers that they had to overcome. Um, The children that were exiting foster care or aging out of foster care, they graduated from high school at a far lower rate. Uh, I believe it's 58% of children who graduated from high school by age 19 from foster care versus 87% from the general population. Only 4% went on to graduate from college um, versus, where's my percentage on that? A much, uh, I don't have the percentage in front of me, but a much, much higher, oh, 36% in the general population. Um, And 70% of female foster youth became pregnant by age 21. Just these really terrible results that didn't happen for children who are in the general population. Um, only half obtained employment. And so these studies really uh, kind of hit us in over the head with these children don't aren't being allowed to live the lives that they should be allowed to live because they don't have the supports once they leave foster care. And um, the role of housing in all of that is critical? Absolutely. Um, so one in five of the youth will become homeless after turning 18. Uh, so that's that's a huge barrier. Uh, a child who is couch surfing um, or who, who's just trying to find some stable housing can't focus on getting a job. They can't focus on going to college. They're just focusing on where are they going to lay their head every night. And so finding housing is a, is a massive first step in ensuring that these children can achieve the lives that they should be allowed to achieve. When they're talking about this project um, in Columbus, uh, it, they're calling it a campus. And it sounds like it could be 
uh, nourishing. I mean, that it could be fun. Uh, they want they want to have people that are like resident assistants, like RAs in a dormitory at a college. How important is that for young people to have that opportunity to sort of play at adulthood in a way, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly important. And, and that's what a lot of children who or youth who aren't in foster care get to do. Uh, in a lot of ways, that's what college is, is you get to go and, and, and be an adult but have those support systems around you so that if you stumble, there's someone there to catch you. Um, it, it's this age, 18 to 21 or 18 to 25, it's, it's really a time where, where there should be some experimentation and learning and growth so that they can develop into adults because at 18, they're not fully adults. Um, and so having that support system around them, those, those resident assistants, the, the kind of community support is incredibly important. What are some programs around the country that you think are really stand out in addressing the needs of youth aging out of the system? Well, I will say, so the first thing before you talk about the programs that help youth in the system is a lot of these youth need supports uh, before they age out. Uh, a lot okay. of times we start talking about these these youth once they turn 16, 17, or 18. By that point, if they've been in the foster care system for a long period of time, they already have lost connections to their communities and the, and the families in their lives. They may have already fallen behind 6, 12 months. Um, in school and bounced around a few times. And so the first thing I will say is it's incredibly important that we focus on the foster care system in addition to the system, the services that help children who age out. Because it's not just, well, let's help these youth now that they're 18. It really needs to be a process throughout the time that they're in foster care. Um, but there are some some programs that have been shown to, to have good results, at least in some a- aspects of these youth youth lives. Um, one of them is through uh, this organization in Tennessee called Youth Villages. Um, they have this YV Life Set program, and it's, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about in Ohio in that it provides um, a support system for these youth so that they meet once a week and talk about issues that, that happen in young adulthood. So housing issues or, or emotional issues or finding a job, um, things along those lines so that the youth have that adult support level that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and is it expensive to manage these kinds of things? Um, so it's not free, I will say, um, but it's relatively cheap in comparison to what happens when these young people aren't given any sort of supports and aren't given any sort of um, kind of help in in achieving adulthood. So uh, the Jim Casey Youth Opportunities Initiatives, they put together a report that showed that on average, young people who age out of foster care cost taxpayers and communities $300,000 in social costs, like public assistance, incarceration, and lost wages over that person's lifetime, which amounts to almost $8 billion a year. These services in no way cost $8 billion a year. And so they are a relatively cheap um, Band-Aid of sorts in when the alternative is this incredibly high cost, not just to the individuals themselves, but to the community at large. Uh, Bridget in Powell, you're on the air. Hi, Bridget. Hi. 
I just uh, started listening, and I wanted to let you guys know about a program that we're working on in Central Ohio uh, that does help at-risk youth, uh, the, the vulnerable population that you guys have been talking about. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Open Table, which is a national model where basically uh, people uh, develop a table of about eight to ten people mentors who help for a year. They meet weekly with one individual, like a youth um, who's aged out of the foster program. And basically, they that group of mentors helps with all the things that you guys have been talking about, like getting a driver's license, helping them finish their high school education or get into a community college, help them find housing. Um, and so, uh, basically, uh, we are starting the first license here in Central Ohio through Star House Columbus mm-hmm. and the Riverside United Methodist Church. Yeah, we mentioned Star House earlier, Bridget. Um, they're helping uh, with management or will be part of a uh, coalition or collaboration with the uh, two motels that are getting renovated in Franklinton. Yeah. Um, Bridget, thanks a lot for that call. Appreciate it. Uh, well, um, Alyssa Glucksman-Hein, I've got to say goodbye to you. I appreciate your time so much, though. Thank you. Of course, and thank you for giving this really important issue the uh, some time on the air. It's wonderful. You bet. Alyssa Glucksman-Hein is a senior policy analyst at Children's Rights. That is a leading national nonprofit children's advocacy organization based in New York City. Coming up, we're going to bring it back closer to home and talk to the Youth Transition Coordinator for Franklin County Children's Services. And we're going to meet a young woman who aged out of foster care in Columbus in 2008. So stay with us. If you have a question or comment, you can give us a call 614-292-8513 or email us at allsides at WOSU.org. You're listening to All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News. Welcome back to All Sides. I'm your host, Ann Fisher. We're talking about the challenges for youth who age out of the foster care system in Ohio. The Columbus-based nonprofit Finance Fund has purchased two aging motels in Franklinton. They have plans to convert them into apartments for 18 to 24-year-old youth who have aged out of the foster system. Today, we're talking about the new project, how it could make a difference, and other strategies intended to help foster children become successful adults. Joining us now is Associate Director of Adoptions and Youth Transition Coordinator for Franklin County Children's Services, Cassie Snyder. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ann. And Nikki Chin aged out of foster care in 2008. She's now a student at Columbus State Community College, where she's studying social work. Uh, She joins us as well. Welcome to the show, Nikki Chin. Thank you. You aged out in 2008. And before we went on the air, I said, what's changed? Is is a lot changed? And you said yes and no. Tell me what you mean by that. Um, So the problems that 
we were facing when I aged out are the same problems we're facing now. Um, we have made progress, but we have um, what's called a foster care to homelessness pipeline. Um, once youth age out of care, it is extremely likely that they are going to end up homeless. There is a lack of housing and a lack of funding. Was that the case when you aged out? Yes. What I, happened? Um, so I aged out and went straight into um, college at Capital University, but I couldn't stay on campus during the summer um, because just couldn't. So I was I had to get an apartment, but I didn't have the money to keep the apartment. And so I kept getting eviction notices and I would scrounge up $20 at a time and give them a check for $20, hoping that I would just be able to stay for one more day. Um, I was so scared to walk to the bus stop because to get to the bus stop, I had to walk past the rental office. Mm -hmm. And it's it was a terrifying time. Very stressful. Yeah. How did you turn the corner? Um, you know, it, it took a lot of work and, um, I began working after, um, med- some medical problems and, um, I had to get on some government assistance for a while, but was able to pull everything together. Um, Cassie Snyder, government assistance is one thing, but getting having those kind of wraparound services we're talking about for people making this transition is seems like more important than anything. It very much is. Um, our youth that emancipate from the agency custody, they need services, wraparound services. They, the biggest barrier is lack of support for these youth. They don't have parents um, that will support them or adult figures that are will support them, and that's one of our biggest pushes right now is identifying individuals that will be there for those kids no matter what, um, really to provide that support and a parental figure for them. I think we all had, that haven't aged out of foster care, we've all had our parents or an adult supporter. You buy your first car, you call your mom or right. dad, you buy your, you know, you get everything to at first. Yeah. for your birth certificate or yeah. your social security card or how you do this or how you do that. You have parents or an adult person that you can um, rely on where a lot of our youth do not have that. And so really being that person for them or identifying those people so that we can provide those wraparound services for them. When you aged out, um, Nikki Chin, were you in the middle of a school year? W- what was going on? Um, so I had actually graduated from high school six months early. Um, so I was out of high school when once I aged out and was in a group home. And you, you, oh, yeah, you were in a group home at the time. Yeah, so when you weren't I, with a family or anything no. like that. And you aged out, you're in a group home, and they're like, okay, time to go. Was it like that? Um, so I, the day that it was time for me to move into the dorms at Capitol, they took me in a minivan, dropped all my stuff off, and was like, see ya. Wow. Cassie, what, what, do you, what is that? <laughs> is that what happens today still? Um, we definitely try for that not to happen. Um, we have a whole specialized department, Youth Transition Services at Children's Services, which services just these youth that emancipate. And we try and provide supports as much as possible as far as ensuring that they have what they need to transition to adulthood and even following them after that. Um, Our agency can offer services up to age 21 for any youth that's willing and able to um, work with us. And then we also recently, the state has um, had the Bridges program 
uh, come out, which provides services to youth up to 21 as well. Um, and they can provide the financial supports. They provide um, case management and just the support of adult services for them. My previous guest, Alyssa Glucksman-Hein of Children's Rights, uh, made the point that um, that getting youth ready to age out of foster system, out of the foster system, has to start when they're much younger. And I'm wondering how that dynamic works. How do you come to that point where you're not going to be adopted, you're not going to be re- reunited with your your family. Um, how do you, where's that corner and how do you make that turn? Well, our agency offers services starting at age 14 for any youth in foster care. We okay. try and provide the, the life assumption skills. there is this might happen at that age. Correct. Okay. Well, and even if it doesn't happen, even yeah. if they are reunified, we want them to have the basic skills for adulthood. So we start the life skills p- portion of our classes at age 14, where they learn how to write a check, learn how to you know, manage a bank account, um, learn how to fill out an application for an employment or housing. Um, However, 14 is very young if you don't get those services again until 18. Yeah. Um, So we really try and reinforce those in our placement providers to also teach them those daily life skills. Um, So it's just a combination of all of it. At age 17 and a half or start of their senior year, they're supposed to be referred to our Emancipation Department, um, at which time they reinforce those services. They start talking about planning and emancipation from foster care and really trying to put into place a plan A, B, and C. So if one plan doesn't work out, they have a backup plan. Is that what you had, Nikki? No. no, uh, I had what was called a PPLA where they didn't, they weren't putting me back with my biological family. They had taken all rights away. And then they also weren't putting me up for adoption. So they kind of were just holding me in the system until I aged out. Um, And I didn't start getting my independent living classes until I was 17 and almost aged out. Um, and I did not have an emancipation worker at all. Benny in Columbus, you're on the air. Hi, Benny. Hey, and love the show. Um, Thank you. So I had, uh, uh, I grew up in a home that we took in foster care, probably, uh, from when I was, I think 15 until, uh, uh, I left the house. I went on to graduate college. Now I'm 31. I, I see the kids that we had that aged out. Uh, a few of them ended up in prison. Um, one or two seemed to get on their feet, but it's it's really heartbreaking. Um, what what my question is uh, is how can how can somebody like me, you know, I'm a single adult living in Columbus. How can I help out? What, what one one thing that I thought about was doing something emotional support. You know, take like get a group of them and take them to a ball game, or just go to the mall and grab a bite to eat. Go to the movies. Just hang out in general with somebody who's on their feet and they can kind of uh, see what, uh, you know, what, what life can be like for people that always had that support. And I'll take my question off the air. All right, Benny, thank you for that call. And Nikki Chin, how, how do you respond to that? Um, so through Franklin County Children's Services, there are several mentoring programs that you can become a part of to help youth who are in care. Um, there are also a lot of programs around the state and through the private agencies that you can become a part of. And you can also go and volunteer at agencies. And does it matter? 
Oh yeah, it does. I mean, I'm just. I mean, it's it's in theory, it's easy to imagine it does, but from where you sit, uh, having aged out of the system, would it have made a difference to have somebody hanging out with you? Absolutely, and knowing that there are people out there who care, and that you're not just being passed from person to person and family to group home to residential center. Knowing that there are people out there who care means the world and can give youth so much hope. Yeah, Cassie, um, anything more to say to Benny? Absolutely. Um, Our volunteers department at Franklin County Children's Services does numerous things, um, and they're really a wonderful department from mentoring programs to our holiday wish program. They, They support our youth in foster care and really... A youth having even one permanent connection, adult supporter, um, can change their outcome completely. <laughs> Never underestimate it. Laura in Columbus, you're on the air. Hi, Laura. Hi, Ann. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I actually work with um, an organization that Franklin County uh, works with to mentor children. So the ages that we work with are 7 to 11. Uh, and it's a mentoring program where they are matched up with the best fit uh, adult volunteers. They spend uh, a lot of time with them throughout the month. And then we have a monthly club meeting uh, where they get to sing songs. We make them breakfast. We, um, I'm the activities coordinator, so I kind of do all of the art and creativity experiences that they get. Um, and then we also have a summer camp that we do. It's a sleepaway camp for about five days. It is fabulous and a level of exhaustion um, that I don't think I've ever experienced with anything else in my life. Uh, and it really changed the course of my life uh, as I'm now going to be attending Case Western for social work uh, this fall. And so having that uh, connection with those kids that are really hurting in our community um, really can make an, a personal impact on them and on the adults that work with them and volunteer with them. So, Benny, um, you know, to answer your question, that is a, an organization you can get involved with. It's called Royal Family Kids. And we have that local Columbus chapter, uh, and it's a national organization as well. Thanks a lot, Laura. I appreciate it. No problem. And uh, Abdul? Hmm. Okay. I don't have Abdul. Anyways, we'll get to him in a second. Um, if a, What's the process, Cassie Snyder, when it comes to uh, emancipating somebody? Um, how does that even begin? And can somebody emancipate themselves at a younger age? Um, any emancipation at a younger age would have to go through the Franklin County court system. As far as a youth that's in foster care, um, our goal is always reunification with a parent or a, a kinship caregiver or custody to return to someone else. Um, if we get to a point that the child or youth just cannot be returned to a parent or custodian, we work on alternative options. Um, adoption is often that alternative option. However, a youth that is 12 or older has the right to say yes or no to adoption, and they have to consent to any adoption at that age. So that is also a barrier because change, as we know, is hard and scary. And a lot of times youth don't want to change what they already know. Right. Um, and they've been through so much trauma that a lot of times we don't even know about all of the trauma that they've experienced in their home. Um, so if we get to a point where a youth is um, becoming of age of 16 or 17, we really try and identify what their goal is. Um, if their goal is to go to college, if their goal is to emancipate and just work and save money. Um, sometimes we have older siblings that want to take on their younger siblings. So we really try and support what their goal is. Youth Transition Service Department is based on 
the child's plan. So we rally around whatever that child wants and we put them in connection with all the resources that they can get in order to make their plan a reality. But a a big part of that is also the backup planning. We always want to have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, because as we know, plan A does not always work. So we really try and just connect them with whatever we can to ensure that they, they have a plan that will work. Uh, Abdul in Columbus, you're on the air. Hi, Abdul. Hi, Ann. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, my name is Abdul Salah. Um, uh, one of uh, Somali resident here in Columbus. We've lived here for a very long time. This, my question is uh, off topic, and it's not even a question. I'm just going to ask if um, we're doing like meetings once a month uh, in the Somali Community Association. Uh, the chairman, Hassan Omar, is hosting us to, uh, you know, gather thoughts and ideas and bring about, you know, a program where we can help the Somali youth, um, you know, crime prevention sort of a thing, uh-huh. that they don't end up in the juvenile system. Uh, I was wondering if we can, if he, you know, she can relate me to any resources to provide us ideas where we can contact um, in regards to the youth uh, crime prevention. Is there a piece in all of this to avoid a criminal, you know, to avoid the life of, of crime? And Cassie, um, we really try and I mean, we try and educate our youth on what that looks like, and then trying to encourage them to make positive decisions, whether that be with a mentor, with uh, community resources, um, connecting them with services such as counseling or. Um, you know, other services in the community that can really put them on the right track. We really try and talk with them as much as possible to ensure that they make good decisions. But at the end of the day, they're the the keeper of their own decisions. So um, there's not really like a a solid plan in crime prevention with our youth. Well, Cassie Snyder, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for having me. Cassie Snyder, Associate Director of Adoptions and Youth Transition Coordinator at Franklin County Children's Services, and also Nikki Chin, Columbus State Community College student and former foster youth. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. That's All Sides with Ann Fisher on 89.7 NPR News.